0: Hey, Queeros, Cami here. Today on the podcast, the musician G Flip, who made massive headlines this year with their marriage to Selling Sunset's Chrishell Strauss, also a great artist, and it's a great conversation. So please enjoy this chat with G Flip. Also, real quick, do you live in Los Angeles? Well, why don't you come see me December 12th? Here in L.A. at the Elysian Theater. Oh, you don't live in L.A.? You live in Boston? Well, come see me the 23rd of December at Laugh Boston. Oh, you don't live in L.A. or in Boston? Well, come see me on December 28th in Burlington, Vermont. All of those tickets for all those shows? Yeah, they're at uh, CameronEsposito.com slash shows. Enjoy the episode. I always have guests introduce themselves. Can you introduce yourself? Cool.
1: Yeah, easy. Um, what's up everyone? My name is G Flip. I use they, them pronouns, and I'm a musician, drummer, and singer from Melbourne, Australia.
0: Yeah, hi. We don't know each other at all. We've never met. But I am in the I am in the weirdest headspace right now. Can I do you mind if I tell you about it so that when we Hit are me. recording, you don't think it's you? Uh go for it. I was just like Just, I was just walking down the street in my neighborhood. I live in kind of a quiet neighborhood and I was going to meet somebody for like a business meeting. This was like an hour ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was on the sidewalk, just walking in a straight line, not paying attention to anything, just enjoying my day. And a dude like came up behind me. I did not hear him. He must've been very quiet. And he, as he was walking Past me, he wanted to walk, I think, in the exact line that I was walking in. Not just, he didn't decide to go around me. He walked sort of into my body, leaned over. This is, he's coming up behind me. He got, his hands were like, I'd say, two inches from my nose. He clapped really loudly two times and then said, Move out of the way, bitch. It is one of the wildest experiences I've. I. I I did like a jump scare, like it was a haunted house. Like I I screamed and like jumped in the air. Oh my! And I'm then so I said, sorry. "What the fuck did you just say to me?" And he said, "I told you to move out of the way, bitch." Then I said, "Like." F- <laughs> then I tried to fight him and said, "Like, come back here and fight!" Like I don't even know, but it was. I was not in my actual headspace in that moment. I think I. I like, I think I thought he was gonna punch me. It's one is never expecting uh, the hands of, a, of an unseen stranger to enter into one's facial sphere. I don't, what the fuck's just happened? What the <laughs> fuck just happened to me?
1: That is, so anyway, yeah, that is a hectic story. It is a
0: hectic story. Fuck
1: that guy. What do you make of it? Well, it's just, first of all, it's just, like, bizarre. Like, it's, like, it's not bizarre. something that happens every day. The clapping is a weird, you know,
0: what, I think like- he was actually, like, starting to, trying, attempting to startle me so that I would move. So weird, right? Yeah, it's fucking strange. Well, I'm sorry that happened
1: to you. Um, That's fucked up and that guy is an
0: absolute dickhead. I think also... Sometimes when stuff like this happens and not that that happens every day, I wonder like what, like, is he running around doing that to like women who are wearing skirts? Maybe. Or is he doing that because I Mm. wear what I wear and look how I am? Mm. Like what part of that was like. Gender, ba- gender mm. violence at me because of my gender. Yeah, could be. I don't know. Yeah, fuck, that's real wild. I know, and we've we've unfortunately had to move this interview a few times. So, like, we're just gonna go. But I am in the weirdest zone. So, it's all right. Enjoy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so good. I understand. I got the context now. Mhm. Um well I've literally just woken up so I'm more in a, Where are you? I am in Australia where are you right now. I'm in Australia.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Look at us. Look at us. Are you Where are you right now in your tour schedule? You were in LA pretty recently.
1: Yeah, so I did um I started the tour in Australia, did the whole of Australia a couple of times and then I went to the States and then I did a heap of dates across the States. Um, And now I'm back in Australia and now, you know, it's our summer here. So it's getting into festival season. So over New Year's Eve, Christmas, New Year's Eve, I go do
0: all the summer festivals here in Oz. That is wild. I mean, my sister lives in South America, so I understand not just conceptually, but from lived experience, that sometimes it is the summer in in December. But still, I guess I'm in L.A., so it doesn't feel like a full winter. But, Mm. like, have you gotten to spend a summer in a cold, wintry place? I mean, a,
1: uh, a Christmas in a cold, wintry place? Never. I wouldn't know what that's like. Normally it's hot and we're all outside in the heat and the sun. But I've never done that like classic American movie wintry Christmas with snow falling and shit. Like I've never done that. Um, But this Christmas I'm going to be here as well and Chrishell's coming down and we're having Christmas in Australia with the Aussie fam.
0: So, yeah, it'll be cute. Well, obviously that is a – that's been a big story in your world I'm assuming, in the last year of your yeah. life. Yes, 100%. That you are in, like, a a pretty public relationship right now.
1: hmm How does that feel? Yeah, I guess, um, you know, there's a lot of, like, articles pop up now and then or paparazzi people follow us. But I don't know. Other than that, like, you know, it's so great to find your person and just, like, be in love and we just... Get along so well, and we're such a vibe together that I don't know the the bad the bad parts about it, which is like getting followed and trolled and like hectic attention, like just the goodness of our relationship easily outweighs all that stuff, so to be honest, everything's pretty chill, but I'm also yeah. a pretty chill person, so not much phases me if it's on the outside. you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, sure. Well, wait, what do you mean? What? So what faces you that's on the inside? <laughs> well, like, you know, out of bullshit that's like people
1: saying shit and yeah. writing articles and trolls yeah, 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 and people yeah. having comments sure. about my relationship doesn't affect me because it's, I don't know, I've just got a maybe a tougher skin when it comes to other people's opinions. I'm pretty secure in, like, who I am and secure in my relationship so other people's, like, weird commentary doesn't, filter in or affect me I only care about you know the actual relationship at its core and that we're okay and the communication is good and we're solid so right um I don't really let the outside people and shit that people say affect you know our relationship or anything like that
0: that sounds very healthy congratulations on your (laughs) on your health yeah, I think it's. I think for any
1: public relationship, you know, it really should just matter about who's in the relationship, not exterior factors of people running their mouth. You know.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I do think though that that is hard. I mean, even if that's true, if it, even if that's what should matter, I think a lot of people really struggle with what you're talking about. Yeah. Um. For sure. Yeah. Why do you think you're? I know you said you're chill, but is there – why do you think makes you – what makes you so able to hang on to that chill even with that level of visibility?
1: Um, What else do you hold on to that chill? I I think I've just never cared what people thought about me from like a young age. I've never cared what people say about me or or, you know, what people think, you know, most of the online hate I get from the visible relationship I am is that I'm non-binary, and people cannot get their heads around it and like send me death threats and like hate ha- hurtful and hateful messages about my gender identity. But I don't ever let that. It doesn't affect me because I'm like it's just who I am. I can't change. I can't be anything else. Like my whole way I've lived and who I am as a person and, you know, the kid I'd look I'd look at in the mirror from like five, six years old, like I never understood my gender and I, people's comments can't take away all of that and can't take away how I feel and can't take away how, you know, I am. So other people's comments about my gender never affect me and make me upset ever. And I get crazy shit written about me online, but it's just like, you know, for me, it—I can't change who I am. I am non-binary. I feel non-binary. It makes so much sense to me. Um,
0: so yeah. Well, whether your relationship is public or not—in your case, it is—but I know there are plenty of people who be listening, mm-hmm. um, who identify with what you're talking about, and I do. So it's. My perception, let's like literally just, this isn't mm-hmm. even real life, but television. I put a character on TV uh, last year who got married to my character, a character who had been previously perceived as straight on mm-hmm. the show, who like has lo- had long hair before that character met my character and then had like a more rock and roll haircut um i've done so i've done so many queer i've played so many queer characters on television mm-hmm. and i've never had people be mad at me <laughs> but also at the character for the way that they were at this character who got married to somebody that they had previously that had previously been married to a man on the show. This this character had been married to a man. They had a child together, they got divorced. And there was no, like the the character wasn't introduced as pan or bi. And then there was this like queerness that was found later in life. This is a scripted TV show. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with me. Um, People were pretty pissed. People were pretty pissed about the way that I look and the way that my character was styled. And also like a lot of people, it turns out were really stoked, you know? So yeah. I think that people who are pissed take up a lot of space on the internet and people who are stoked, like, might just go like make their food or whatever. Like <laughs> they're just yeah. like watching the show and they are not like in, yeah. you know, they're not like, it's not that serious for them. Yeah. Um, but just from that experience because it's been a long time since I was dating somebody in my real life who mm-hmm. I was their first queer relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in that experience, I I was like, it is 2023. <laughs> like, I mm-hmm. just was like, oh, this is where we are. Like, people are pretty mad when somebody that they value for her straightness mm-hmm. um, does something that they don't understand. And perhaps some of that may be relatable or analogous to some things you've experienced around what you're talking about with this hate mail. Is that what is that what you deem is creating that sort of reaction in people? Like oh, yeah. their opinion yeah. of who you're dating and who they thought she was.
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination of just being queer in general.
0: I love being queer because <laughs> yeah. of the way it makes some people so mad. <laughs> um, yeah. I
1: mean, being queer in general, Chrishell and her story and her background and, you know, um, her never being in a queer relationship before. And then me also pairing up um, as a non-binary person, which infuriates people. It's just a whole yeah. culmination of a lot of like anger that it brings out in some people. Um, but yeah. In the end, you know, me and Chriselle are in love and we're going strong. She's downstairs. Um, great. And, yeah, we've, like, I feel, you know, Chrischelle's been so great at handling all of it and, like, she's got so much, you know, flack from it and hate and, you know, especially at the start. Now people are like, oh, they're serious, you know. Like, at the start mm-hmm. she was getting a lot of, you know, hate and a lot of you know silly articles and shit like that but yeah we've come a long way now we've been together for like next year will be like two years did
0: you feel like that you were able to help with some of that journey that she was on because of your i had like a friend who was a married person she's in the public eye she was a married person to a man. And then she remarried a woman. And a couple of years ago, she was, I was on a guest on her podcast and she asked me like, do you ever get mad when like people join the team later in life? Because like you were out for so many years, like, uh, paving the path or whatever. And then like, here I am just like dancing down it. And I was like, I was like, no, no, I'm not mad at you for coming out later. Like is, I mean, I've gotten to know who I am for so much longer. I mean, this is who I said to this particular person, like, yeah. you know, who I think does feel like there's like a little bit of like a lost time element, which isn't mm. true for everybody. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I did. Was any of that a factor in, like, when did you come out? I knew I was
1: queer from a very early age, um but I didn't. I went through a Catholic schooling system and didn't feel comfortable coming out till after high school. Uh-huh, yeah, so yeah, um, but yeah, what was the question like did I what was yeah, it? yeah, like, did you
0: feel like you helped Rochelle walk through that at all, or was that like not really a factor? Um, no, I think a little bit. So You're like, talking about how good she was at dealing with it.
1: Yeah, like definitely dealing now that we're totally out in public, like dealing with everything. But, you know, beforehand and just like we couldn't help our connection. Like we both didn't see each other coming. Like we both didn't like I was definitely not Chriselle's type. For me, I've never dated anyone that was, you know, like like Chriselle. And we but then our personalities just clicked so well and then We just couldn't stop hanging out and then we just like really slowly fell in love Um, because we've talked in other interviews about this but Chrishell was actually meant to go do a dating show, like a bachelorette-style show. It wasn't called The Bachelorette but she was meant to go on a show and find someone to fall in love with. And we were just like low-key dating, like really casually and we'd openly talk about this show that she was going on, but then we were slowly, as the weeks went past, like falling more in love with each other. To the point where she just asked me, like, "Do you actually want me to go do this show?" And I was like, "Hell no! I don't want to watch. <laughs> I don't want to watch you go fall in love with someone. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna watch it." But at the start of when we were like hanging out, I was like, "Yeah, babe, I'll watch it. Like, I just want to support you, and you know, like." Um so yeah so our like little love story is pretty cute and funny but um yeah we just like we you know there was other plans in the road like she was going to go to the show so we weren't
0: going to be together and then we
1: just like fell in love
0: Yeah again i mean this is very specific right like i don't think everybody that's listening is dating somebody who was maybe going to be on a reality show No <laughs> but, totally weird But the idea of like not seeing it coming and then I think what I was trying to ask is like about the discrepancy in like the amount of time that you two had lived with the idea of being queer. Because that that is a thing that I know many couples deal with, right? Like um, even in my relationship, like I'm married and this is my second marriage. So even that there's like a – my wife, this is her first marriage. So there's always like in life, there's always going to be – some way that even in queer world where like we're not necessarily lined up, I do think there's like a misperception that everybody is like finding somebody that they have had the same experience of, like the same amount of like years of queerness under their belt. Like I f- I find that to be something that a lot of people can't imagine is that like, it doesn't always line up like that. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening for whom that's yeah. their story, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So how has it been touring for you since... And I am also going to ask you about things that don't relate to this relationship. Trust. But I think that some of this is is specifically interesting to me because I would imagine that the visibility of this relationship has changed some of how you are received on the road. And you're getting asked a lot about it in interviews first of all, because we're talking mm-hmm. about it right now. But like how has it affected your touring or has it in terms of like are people losing their minds screaming her name when, when you're playing? Like is that stuff happening?
1: Yeah, definitely if Chrishell comes to a show, like everyone absolutely loves it and everyone's like, ah, or then I'm like. As soon as I say, like, you know, I wrote this song about my wife, everyone just loses their goddamn mind and then they're all looking for her in the room and normally she's got a little posse a posi, little position somewhere in the room that's, like, near the sound desk or side of stage and everyone loses their mind. But it's really cute, you know. People, um, especially, like, our fans love us together and when we're together just on the street or at a restaurant or to buy, you know, you know, it's so cute when people are just like, oh, like, you know, they're from the LGBTQA plus community as well. And they're like, you know, thank you so much for the visibility. And like in
0: mm-hmm. the
1: end, that's the whole reason we did the show together because I wasn't really that inclined to be on a reality TV show. It wasn't really my thing, but I understand the representation of visibility for you know, LGBTQIA plus community and not the non-binary trans community, like having that visibility is so key. And i we both knew that there's people that watch Selling Sunset from, you know, very different places in the world that need visibility. Yeah. So, you know, the basis of us doing like going on together was, came from that place. And um, yeah, on the road, it's, it's just fun whenever she comes on the road and she does come to a lot of shows. God, it's so fun. And Um, I just like having her there because it's fun to perform.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah, I feel more comfy. And sometimes she gets front row drunk with my mum, which is pretty cute. (laughs) I'll look down and they'll be right there. I'll be like, hey, what's up?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's sweet. Back for another game. You know it. This is a slight transish, but, um, drummer. Yes. But also singer. Yes. (laughs) Not always the combo that we imagine, especially because like a drummer has to be behind such a large physical object. Yeah. I am very curious about, because, you know, as a, stand-up comic first, like I get to move wherever I want to connect with the audience. Like I, it's just a tiny mic. Um, And so I can get real close and I can really engage with people in a very specific way. And I'm so curious about the experience of, you know, being a vocalist that's also behind and like the combining those two different types of expression. Because like hitting a drum set is so different than you know, like a Freddie Mercury stalking the stage sort of a vibe. Like what yeah. is what is that like?
1: Yeah, I feel like for me, my show consists of me singing behind the drum kit, but then I do like the full Fer- Freddie Mercury thing and then I'm being a front person running around. But then there's moments where I play piano and then there's a few songs I play on guitar. So you see me kind of switching instruments a lot, but the whole album – derived from drums and being a drummer. And I was a drummer way before I started singing. I only started singing when I was about 20 years old. I've been drumming since I was nine. So um, drums was always my thing. And I love playing kit. And my drum teacher, who's my biggest inspiration when I was younger, taught me how to sing and play drums. And didn't actually teach me how to sing, taught me how to separate my voice from my body playing drums. So She would get me to play drum charts, so I'd read drum music and be playing, and then she'd make me have a conversation with her. So then I would put my body on kind of like an autopilot playing the drums, and then I'd just be having a chat with her, and it made me separate my brain. That is
0: so interesting.
1: Yeah. No, what were you saying? It made you separate your... My, My brain and my thoughts of what I was talking about, you know, what do I have on after school, what... You know, subject? Do I have next? Like, what teachers pissing me off? Like, while my body's just like in autopilot, and that way it's separated the two. So whenever I'm singing and playing drums, um, my I'm my body's kind of on autopilot. I'm not like really thinking about what my body's doing. And I'm so comfy on drums because that's my first instrument. So, and I know all my my songs so well. So all I'm actually thinking about is what the fuck is the next lyric. Because remembering lyrics to me is the hardest part of my job because, like, I'm so used to playing instruments that it's more the I'm, you know, not as, I am a comfortable singer, but, like, I haven't done, I haven't been a singer and I'm not a trained singer either. So I'm, like, yeah, still, like, getting that solid.
0: Actually, I completely relate to that, just Mm. the idea of, like separating my brain from my body or because even as a comic, uh, I mean, I am in my body, I guess. Like, I mean, my body exists. I'm walking around, not falling down, but I also am having thoughts that are separate from like the material I'm doing, you know, like I'm doing the material, And I have like physicality that goes with that. But then I'm also actively thinking about like what's going on in the room or how much time I have left or all those things. So I totally know what you mean. Mm. Yeah, I hear you. That's wild. And And then it's I I love that. I love that thing your teacher had you do. That's so interesting.
1: Yeah. And I feel like probably with being a stand-up comedian as well, it's like when you have a good show, everything's just so in flow. Like your body and like your mannerisms or and your brain and like, you know, interacting with people in the room, like it's just like a flow state and everything just like goes so well and you're like, fuck, yeah, that was a good show. It's the same with, I guess, being a musician. Like you're, everything's working and it's just flowing really well and everyone's vibing it and you're getting, you know, the right reaction. So, yeah.
0: What about you broke your wrist like last year? Do you, that happened, right? I'm not yeah. making this
1: up. No, it was I was did a pride run of shows. I did Houston, Oklahoma City, and Chicago on a weekend—Thursday, um, Friday, Saturday. No, it was Friday, Saturday, Sunday shows. And we arrived in Houston on the Thursday night, and me and my band, um, and my new manager, and she'd only been working with me for a couple of weeks. She came on tour for the first time, and we went out to a bar, and we we're playing pool, and we we're having beers, and then. There was a foosball table, you know, the little soccer table. Yep. You know, those little, yeah, that thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah the, for sure. And then there was another game, which is like the punching bag that you punch it and you get a score. Like, <laughs> so then. Yeah, I know the one. So, yeah, me and all my bandmates all went back and forth and I was getting pretty close up with the boys um, so I did a run up and threw my whole body into my fist and then just broke, I just broke my hand actually. Just You broke
0: your, you broke your own hand punching that bag. But let me ask you a question. What was your score like? Was it, did you win? I didn't
1: win. <laughs> no. no. I, didn't, I didn't win. I just like went to the hospital. Well, actually I didn't go to the hospital. <laughs> I didn't go to the hospital straight away. I was trying to be really tough. I was trying to be, you know, a tough guy and like didn't go to hospital. Then I called Kushel at like three or four in the morning and was like, oh my God, my hand hurts so much and like put a video of what my hand looked like. And then Kushel was like, baby, go to the hospital now. So I was like, all right. So I woke up my manager who was like asleep and then had to go to hospital, but then You know, I I remember practising as a kid, Travis Barker on a Plus 44 tour. You know, he plays in Blink-182, but he's got another Mm -hmm. band, Plus 44. He broke his right hand and he did a whole tour one-handed. And I remember as a kid being like, one day that might happen to me, so I better start practising all my songs one-handed. So as a kid, I would practise heaps of songs playing them just like Travis Barker did one-handed. So when I was in, so yeah, when I was in the hospital, um, and they'd given me something to help the pain go away, I was just like practicing my whole set one handed, and then I got on stage not too long after. I was in the hospital for quite a few hours, and then yeah, played the show, I played the next three shows on that Pride one, Houston, Oklahoma, and Chicago Pride. I played those three shows in a sling. And then I got a cast on and then I had to play one of my biggest shows in Australia, which was in front of about 30,000 people, but I trained every day. So I had like a schedule and it was just like boot camp of me training how to do, cause I didn't want to change one thing in my set. So I played every song, how I would do it and did a five minute drum solo one handed. So yeah.
0: I mean, you know, I mean, this is cool. Um, right this is like this is cool behavior I mean not I'm sure the experience wasn't cool but from the outside this story you sound cool like I'm sure it looked cool like even though I'm sure it also hurt yeah (laughs) I'm sure that I I don't know that sounds very like riding up on a motorcycle in a leather jacket sort of behavior
1: yeah well I think just from a young age I saw other people do it one-handed so I was like well if they can do it I can do it too so and, yeah, so I had a cast on. To be honest, the hardest thing to do was have sex with a cast. <laughs> like on your right hand. Like, yeah. Well, I'm left-handed. Oh, well, for you'd, just be, that. you'd be so fine. But, you know, like just <laughs> everything else, like drumming, everything else is easy. Like also, like, yeah, I'm right-handed. So left hand is like my least dominant hand. But, like, I I was pretty self-sufficient, I think, actually, like could do everything normal, like brushing your teeth is easy, washing my hair, like it didn't phase me too much. I, I think it was the other day Chriselle said, like, it was so weird. You had your broken hand, but it didn't really affect or phase you too much. And I think it looked pretty rad having a cast on.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's like that's, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. It's cool, yeah. Mm. But... I'm sorry about the sex. You know, just like
1: certain things. (laughs) What? You can't lean on this arm. You can't, you know. It was like a pretty, yeah, solid cast. It was fucked.
0: Anyway. Did you feel when you getting through those shows one-handed, did did that, did you feel like, I guess I can just do anything that needs to be done? I feel like a lot of people would have cancelled Oh, no. They're for no, no. their their upcoming shows. It would take
1: me a lot to cancel the show. I'm definitely one of those people that's like, we can, you know, like Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters, he fell off stage, broke his leg, went to hospital, came back and finished the show. I would I would do that. Yeah. I would never want to cancel the show if it wasn't for se- like really serious reasons. So I just feel too bad. People have like paid their money and worked hard for getting a ticket and then last minute not rolling up. So the very first show after I broke my hand, I was like quite high on pain medication. So that was a funny show because I was saying weird shit and I was behaving strange. (laughs) But all the rest of them were easy. Like, and it was a fun challenge for me. I like little challenges and I like working towards something and improving
0: like that's fun for my brain. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like you're quite a hard worker. And even the like not canceling shows thing. How long have you how long have you been fully supporting yourself making music? Like what's the span of time? Well, to
1: be honest, I've actually never had a job outside of music. So my first job yeah. was ever since I was 14, 15. Um I pretended I was 18 and was a drum teacher at a music school, which I did not look 18 <laughs> at all, but I got a job as a music teacher. Um, and then I was DJing to support myself to make money. I was working yep. in, a drum, in a drum shop. I was drumming in wedding bands. I was playing in multiple bands around Australia and Melbourne. Um, I even ran kids' parties that were like rock star kids' parties, teaching kids how to be rock stars which is a funny one. Um, that is great. Yeah, I'd hand out pamphlets in front of like our arenas when big bands would come play uh, about other shows. Like everything I did was in music, but since my G flip career took off, um yeah. that's
0: been about 6 years. Five, yeah, six years. I wonder one thing that is wild for for me is that um I'm like 15 years into into touring and like 20 uh, plus into like performing every night, you know, kind of a thing. And for the first time in my life, I have in the last year um, canceled a bunch of shows because of like some mental health issues. Mm -hmm. And it is so wild because I I think I thought – That, like, there'd be a place where I just naturally stopped. Like, I think I thought that there'd be, like, a finish line. And then that many years into touring, I realized, like, I either have to tour forever or I have to – or I have to stop. Mm. And I don't – I didn't, like, realize that. And Mm. maybe there are also some people who never want to stop. I don't know. Mm. Um, But it is weird. I've never made this decision before. I've never – Like just in what you're talking about, I totally agree and know what you mean about like people drive or fly in for shows or people Mm. like make their plans around it. People get babysitters, people like, you know, buy those tickets. And so that really does matter to me. And also like I had a wild experience this year and I just rebooked these shows, but I Mm. flew to Boston from LA and landed and was like, I should not be on stage. Yeah, And I called the people that I work with and I was like, I need to not, I need to not do these shows in Boston. And then I was supposed to go, I was supposed to be gone for like 10 days and be in Boston and Vermont. And it was wild. Mm. They were like sold out shows. I I went to my hotel and then I flew back the next day. I have never made a decision like that in my life. Your, your
1: work would be so tough though, because when you're on stage, you're just solo and alone with the mic. I feel like for my work, I can, cause I'm playing instruments and stuff and playing instruments is like my, what I do for like meditation and like, you know, chilling out and for fun. So I don't have to talk at the audience the whole time, but for you, like, like your job that is like, you've got such a tough job to give your whole self. Cause it's just you in a microphone, like, like, your job, I admire comedians and stand-up comedians so much because I'm like, fuck you, mentally do have to, you know, be be there, like to to do it, and I totally get how hard that would be. I feel like, yeah, stand like your job is wild, and I know totally if I wasn't mentally there, I I would have to can- cancel shows. I feel like my kind of, what, what I do for a show, I can kind of zen out with an instrument and not have to speak as much.
0: Wow. Yeah. I guess I've never thought, I mean, that's awesome. You know, that's really beautiful to hear. I su- yeah. I think that's how I, I, part of that's where I got to, I was like, oh, I am like not doing great. And I yeah. don't know that an audience, <laughs> Yeah, like I think I might freak an audience out. Like, it, like yeah. they're like, is this person okay? And I was like, that also doesn't seem like the vibe. Like people yeah. are like leaving a show and they're like, "We feel genuinely worried." Cameron, yeah. like I was like, that doesn't seem like a good use of people's time and money either. You know. Yeah. Um, so I hear you. I mean, it is. That's I do not relax by doing stand up comedy. I do mm. not meditate. <laughs> do not meditate by doing no. stand up comedy. No, that's not my meditation. Mm. Um, do you, do you play music for fun? Like in your, in your off time? Is that still? Yeah, I do. Well, I'll just like sit
1: at the piano or just sit at my kit. Um, yeah. Or just like write in general. Like I'm always like singing. So a lot of my song ideas come from me, like singing in the shower, singing in the car. Um, and then I have to work out, is that a song that I just made up? Or is that a song that I've heard before? Mm -hmm. Um, and most of the time it's a song that I've just like, made up or a melody I've made up or something and then I grow it from there. But instruments are just like my favourite thing. Like every house I have in majority of the rooms, like right now this room has like guitars and keyboards in it, like all over the house. Every house I live in and now even Chrishell's house has instruments everywhere as well. Like I just like having instruments around always.
0: I suppose I don't know that. Like I know I'm a little – I feel like I've tracked what's going on for you in the U.S., but I have no idea what's going on for you in Australia, which I know is obviously it's where you're from. What has been happening over the last couple of years with your career there? Yeah, um, I guess, you know, this is my main –
1: Australia's got my main audience and I'm growing in other territories.
0: Um, Oh. But, yeah. I didn't know that. I mean, because you're killing it in the U.S., so yeah, are well, double killing it in Australia. I feel like I'm such
1: a ba- like a a smaller artist in the US. Um
0: mm.
1: no over here, you know, I've you know, it's been I've been very fortunate and I have such a good fan base and the uh yeah, I they they get around me here a lot. You know, Australia really supports me and every tour I've ever put on here is sold out almost like pretty quickly. And um, yeah, uh, Australia just has really got around my music and my show and me as a person and my life. And I guess I felt like I was kind of hitting the ceiling a little bit in Australia. Like, um, you know, we're such a smaller industry and, you know, I think our population is less than California, you know, like we've a big, in size, our country, but a smaller population. And um, I just wanted to grow, so I made the move to LA um, and now I kind of live between. Um, But I wanted to see if I could get my music, you know, moving anywhere else in the world. Well, that's really
0: brave, Um, you know, to like walk away from, a sure thing or a place where you're selling it like that and try to expand. I mean, it's not exactly the same thing, but I am from, like I started in Boston and then moved from Boston to Chicago, which is a bigger market. And then in Chicago moved to LA, which is like the mm-hmm. biggest market. Right. And so all along those stops, I think there was an opportunity for me to decide like, I'm going to stay here and like be the biggest fish in this pound or like, you know, just kind of Mm. circle the same airport that I've been circling, you know? And I think it is, it took me a long time to kind of have the confidence to make those jumps and also to like have the confidence to sacrifice like status or something, Mm. being a sure thing, you know, to go from like, I can get booked anywhere here to like, I'm going to start again somewhere else is really a huge, huge leap of faith and like, and really fucking hard.
1: Yeah. It's been a bit interesting, but all in all, like, I really like LA. Um, and I found, I think when you move to LA, you got to kind of find your people or else it'll swallow you up a little bit. So yeah, I think finding my good, you know, friends and finding people, um, Uh, and, like, just understanding it and getting it and getting how humans are in L.A. because people in America are a little bit different to people in Australia. Um, So, yeah, but I really, really enjoy being in L.A. Like, I can't wait to go back. Um, I love the weather. I love how creative it is and, like, every single motherfucker does something. Um, And... Yeah, it's been cool. And, you know, I feel like my career, my music career is like starting to, you know, get a bit of traction in um, in the U.S. Like I just did my first tour. Like the tour I just did was my very first U.S. tour. I'd never toured in the U.S. before besides supporting an artist here and there. Oh, awesome. Um,
0: yeah. And that sold pretty well. So, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Hopefully it goes well, it all right. Has-
0: Yeah. I just missed you in LA. I was, I had like something else going on that night. So never again. Next time you play LA, I'm totally there. And I can't wait to see all of what you do. Fuck yeah. I am aware of the time and I know that I need to get you back into your morning and like breakfast and stuff. (laughs) Um, So I just, before I let you go, I want to ask you what I should ask everybody, which is to shout out Aquiro person, place, or thing that made you feel you could be who you are today? Do you have somebody you'd like to shout out? Is it, place? Or it need,
1: does it need to be someone that they need to go find, like look up or?
0: No, 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 just somebody that's mattered, that has mattered to you,
1: yeah. Oh, I, my queero would definitely be my drum teacher, Jenny Rose Morris, who's passed away, but she's watching um, from above. And she's just like my biggest inspiration in life and made me fall in love with drums and made me believe that I could be a drummer and a drummer singer and is like one of the key people in my life that made me who I am today.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, look at you. I mean, she was right. So that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, thank
0: you very much. It was great talking to you.
1: No stress. It was great talking to you too. and. Um, I've got to come see one of your stand-up shows. Yeah, when are you back? I'm not going to come back till Jan, I don't think, so I'm here for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, great. We'll have fun there, and I'll hit you up. Come see me, and then I'll come see you. We'll make it all happen. Okay,
1: love it. Sweet.
0: Yeah, I love it too.
1: Thanks, mate.